This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. How do you wrestle with the balance between, and, the, and the, you're getting at this with this illustration, it's actually what triggered the question, between being supportive of the person, I want to communicate, I'm really behind you, and yet at the same time uh, saying, in effect, but this road that you're on is really yep. – and, and now we're talking about I'm, – I'm thinking about kids who are at an age where you really can't control right. what they do. And in fact, I think one of the mistakes that parents make is they live – one of the myths is they live with the impression they can control what mm -hmm. their kids do. And I, I think that inevitably gets them into trouble. So um, so how do, you, how do you deal with that balance? Well, I have four grown kids. <laughs> um, they're all married now. And, and what I would say is – uh, right, when we communicate things in anger about things that disappoint us, uh, we will probably not be heard at all. Mm -hmm. uh, the hardest things I've ever had to say to my kids, one, is you have to say them. Mm -hmm. Don't talk to one another and don't tell all your friends about all this issue with one of your kids that's eating you up inside. Mm -hmm. When you're clothed and in your right mind mm -hmm. um, and prayed up, you need to look your kid in the eye and you need to say, honey or son, I need to tell you something. Uh, I love you very, very, very much, but this decision or that relationship is breaking my heart. Mm -hmm. And you can go down, the, uh, you're at that age, mm -hmm. you can make that decision. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you that the consequences of that decision look like that, and it's going to be painful. And, and I'm for you, and I love you, but I have to warn you. So, so again, we're back to this principle. I think that I'm hearing that you're helping them own the decision, but right. you want to. If I can use an analogy, you're like the the traffic signs on the highway that tell you, "Watch out! There's a there's a slippery corner coming up." You right. know that kind of thing. And I think we have to when they make certain decisions. Like my my one son, he was a very you know he's been we've been very open about it. There was a point in time where it was. You know, hey, you know, if I want to stay out till two or three in the morning, or this or that, and I said, you know, we have very few rules, but there's other kids in the home, mm -hmm. and one, uh, our energy, you are messing up my marriage, son, mm -hmm. and you're disrupting our whole home. Mm -hmm. And we did all the things that you could do. Very strong-willed mm -hmm. kid, and um, I remember sitting in the car and tears running down my cheeks. Mm. And he told me, Dad, you know, I really like you as a person. I just wish you weren't a Christian, Dad. Mm -hmm. I don't think I buy any of this stuff about God or Jesus. And, mm. and so I'm going to live my own way and this and that. And we'd been through this journey for like three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, you know, son, I think I've taught you all I can. Mm -hmm. Your mom and I love you. We're praying for you. If you're at the point where you want to call all the shots in your life, mm -hmm. I want you to know that you also get all the responsibility. So if you can figure out how to make a living, mm -hmm. food, um, find a place to live, but you have a decision. And the decision is whether you agree or disagree, you can live in our house mm -hmm. with a good attitude. Mm -hmm. You don't have to believe anything, I believe. Mm -hmm. But you won't wreck our home. Mm -hmm. Or you can move out. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you 48 hours to pray about that. Mm. And, and now this was not – and this you don't bluff with this kid no, yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. And um, – 
And so, you know, that was a tough one. He, he eventually came out of his bedroom about three days later, <laughs> and there was a real change, but he was so manipulative, I thought, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. And we went through a journey, and, um, you know, to be honest, too, I felt like of all my kids, he's probably wired a lot like me. We're mm-hmm. both intense, both in mm-hmm. strong leaders. I feel like a lot of his was insecurity and hurt, and as a young dad, mm-hmm. afraid to fail, mm-hmm. I was unintentionally throwing gasoline on the fire of his strong will. Huh. So I was I was pretty stupid at times as uh-huh. well, but it was – and he was very rebellious. Uh-huh. So anyway, there was a real turning there, mm-hmm. and uh, God did an amazing work in his life. He later became a worship pastor, and after that started writing Christian songs that we all sing. Oh, wow. And our dream is his parents were, oh, God, help Jason just not be in the ditch. Yeah. And yet, it was that, that perseverance, that strong will. And later on, I said, Jason, I mean, you know, as a pastor, yeah. you're thinking, was it that message? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was it? And you know what? He actually wrote a song about it. He said, Dad, here's what it was. He said, you weren't worried about me embarrassing you in church. Mm-hmm. Um, at home, you and mom are the same as outside. Mm-hmm. And he said, when tears flowed down, I realized this Jesus means so much to you and mom. Um, I really had to take a second look. Mm-hmm. And down deep, what I realized is I, I think I wanted to see how far I could push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I found out how far And the thought. I realized, well, wait a second, what really matters and what's really important? He said, I had a couple days of wrestling. Is there a God? And is what I've he owned his own faith, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a big turning point. But mm. it's really hard. I, I mean, because it was as what Lee said. It's one thing, you know, you put up the stop sign. You are that, but but there's times where if you go through that, you're not only going to slip, you're going to go through a guardrail, yeah. and you're going to go over the cliff. It's a hospital is on the other yes. end. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. and and you yeah. know what? And I can't stop that. Yeah. And, and so that's hard. Yeah, I, I think the hardest thing of being a parent in many ways is 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 um, give. <laughs> I'm gonna, this is going to sound like a strange now. It's giving space that they already have. If you get what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. In other words, we think we're giving up space, but in fact, they're making their choices through their life anyway. Right. You, it's an illusion to think that you can you you can. Ha- you can make the decisions for them, and in fact, in many cases, I've found that that you that the the parents who make all their decisions for their kids in the end oftentimes end up regretting it on the other oh, end. I couldn't agree more. In, in fact, what I what I think is it starts even earlier. Mm-hmm. Is what, what you want to do is you want to feed your kids adventure, responsibility, and vision. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, when they're two, you know. Let them help with this. When they're three or four, they get to help make the bed. When mm-hmm. they're five, everyone has a job. And then it's you pray for your neighbors. And then, you know, they're 10 or 12, and we're going to go to Mexico and we're going to build a house. And then, like in my case, if they're 12 years old and I've got to go on a trip and we're going to go to Africa, son, strap it on. Here we go. And mm-hmm. we were in dangerous places. Mm-hmm. But what they saw was we have turned Christianity into being a nice person mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to control their morality mm-hmm. so they don't mess up. Make us look bad, and and we have all these milk toasts. We're revolutionaries. Yeah, we're counterculture revolutionaries. You want to train warriors mm-hmm. to make a difference, mm-hmm. and a great offense is the best defense. Yeah, and 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 the 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 flip side of that is is that if you 
if you make decisions for your child all the way through their lives, then when they get to the point where they're having to make decisions, uh, the, one of t- I've seen one of two things. They're either incapable of doing it, yeah. or oftentimes they'll do whatever they want because for the first time in their life they have the freedom to do so, and so they just go. Yeah. And both of those dis- both of those are different kinds of of disasters in many ways. Um, well, let's 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 talk about we've we've talked about teenage years. Let's let's talk about um, and we've talked about preparing for the mate. Let's let's talk about what happens when things change when when your child is now a full fledged adult mm-hmm. and you're and you're there because um, in one sense even though you know scripture says they go and they make their own home you still. You're still their parent. You're right. still. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm still mom and dad, and and we still got mom and dad in our house, as well as opa and opa and oma, and, and so that's what I'm called opa, and my wife's called oma. Those are German names. And so, um, so how how do you how does parenting change when you're no longer the parent? Here's uh, this isn't original at all, and I'll probably mess it up. And if someone remembers where I got this, they can let us know. But in those really early years, when you are instilling values, this is the way it is. When, you know, children in terms of, you know, Kohlberg and all that developmental psychology mm-hmm. of how they think in concrete terms, and then in the teenage years, early teenage years, abstract thinking, and then when they get older, decision-making, and their brain's still developing. Mm-hmm. You need to be kind of the commander mm-hmm. in the early years, mm-hmm. and you're laying out railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. The pre-teen through the teen years, you need to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Coaches teach, instruct, but you're, you're, you're giving away and it's their game. It's their game. Yeah. And then when they when they're adults, you need to turn into a consultant. Mm-hmm. And consultants are ask for their opinion. Consultants, mm-hmm. uh, because of their expertise, their love, how how you've done things in the past, you want your kids uh, to come to you and ask about things. Mm-hmm. When you offer a lot of, you know, I don't think you ought to do that. Or I see parents trying to solve their problems. You know, mm-hmm. we had this rough life and it was really difficult. And of course, that's where we got close. That's where God really shaped our lives. But we don't want you to have any of that. So here's a down payment for a house. Here's how you can live <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, here's how we'll pay for your kids' education. I mean, yeah. again, is right motive. Yeah. Bad application. You, yeah. you, you need to be that consultant person who doesn't tell them what to do, but where you have this relationship where um, you speak into their life as they give you permission. Yeah. I, and what's interesting is, and I, I was joking earlier about uh, you know the teenage years where you don't get consulted, and then all of a sudden in the 20s, the, the, call, the phone starts ringing again. Um, it's amazing to actually watch that happen uh, when, when you – when a child comes back to you and says, um, "Dad, what do you think?" Yeah, and 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 it's and it's clear they're thinking through and making their own decision. They may be doing it in a way that's different than the way you would do it, but they're but they are coming to you for for I just need I just need to bounce this off someone, and mm-hmm. I can't think there are only a handful of people who I think are worth bouncing it off of, and you happen to be one of them. It's you know? a thrill, isn't it? Exactly. And you, and you sit there and, and you offer the best that you that you can, and sometimes that relationship gets to the point of, you remember that decision that was about two years ago mm-hmm. where you were thinking about this? You're kind of in the same place again, yeah. you know? And and let's think through what we're going to do uh, this time. I, I, again, I, I'll use my son as we've been using our kids as illustrations. I have a son who's pursuing sports law. And when he had, he had an internship at one point, he's in New York City at St. John's University, and he had an internship with the New York Rangers. 
and I urge you got to network like crazy because this is a great opportunity. You can't believe all the people you have the opportunity to meet. You've got to follow up, et cetera, et cetera. He's a twenty-year-old. He's he, he's shy. He's not networking. It's not a concept he's into. He's not there, et cetera. Well, four years later, he's looking for a job. You know, he doesn't have. He hasn't. He hasn't networked appropriately, et cetera. And so, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the issue becomes: All right, how do you network? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I I get it. I didn't get it that time. Right now, let's think about how we do it this time. And 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 to get into that kind of place with your kids is a is a it's a one. It's a wonderful place to be um, if you if you can get there. I'm gonna shift gears slightly. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, "If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican." Huh? That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Because we've talked about our own situations, and of course, in our situations, we're dealing with there's a there's a mom and a dad. You, you've got an you've got an intact household, if right. I can say it that way. But there are a lot of people who will be listening to us who are trying to form a Christian home, but right. it's not an intact family, or it's a blended family, or it's a blended family. So how do you what what uh, I, in one sense the rules don't change, but you are dealing with different. Dynamics. So, what advice do you have there? Well, I've lived through both. Okay. Um, my wife uh, came to Christ. Uh, she married early, and um, her husband found that as he, she he was putting her through, uh, he she put him through college, mm-hmm. and he found he could make more money selling drugs and uh, ran off with another woman to another state uh, when she got pregnant with twin boys. Mm-hmm. And I met her two and a half, three years later as she's come to Christ. So she was a single mom. Okay. Well, then we get married. Uh, Two years later, when they're about four and a half, and now we're a blended family, mm-hmm. and I, I will tell you, I watched, uh, I watched her live a life as a single parent where uh, there wasn't support, there wasn't people around, and I mean, I don't think there's a harder job in the world than a single parent mm-hmm. and a single mom with teenage boys mm-hmm. is the recipe for the hardest job in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. Now I, we got to start early, and the biological father, you know, was never been in the picture, but. Uh, I would just say to those people, uh, you have to, you have to go to, and this is you know where the body of Christ shows up. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the support and the strength of fellow believers in your life mm-hmm. to help give your kids what you just can't give them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a design here, mm-hmm. and, and the great majority of people now, I think it's twenty three percent or twenty six of America is that intact family you talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So the great majority of people listening are not. That's not it. Exactly right. And even without any biological father in the mix, right. is uh, I still remember when my kids were like 10, 11 years old, and it was like, is this deep, deep bond ever going to happen? And yeah. going to a wise mentor and said, 
keep loving them, give it time, and, and God did that. But you have all those issues mm-hmm. uh, when you have a blended family. So, you know, I think one is is getting realistic. And I think people want this magic poof. Right. And we love Jesus and we have family devotions and now we're going to church. And I find thinking that finding that man or finding that woman is mm-hmm. going to answer your problems mm-hmm. is a myth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are alone for reasons they're not quite sure of. Mm-hmm. But a lot of mistakes made in the last relationship, unless you really get healthy and get whole, this sounds so. Oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, but I've just been around this cor- corner so many times. Get your heart and mind fully filled, and get healthy with God and God alone, mm-hmm. uh, and then look for resources in the body of Christ. Then move forward if God has an open door and there's biblical grounds for a new relationship. It really is uh, an illustration, I think, of thinking through the fact that the Scripture does talk about other believers as another family. Yes, and uh, and in thinking about that, that that there's a that even though even though there may be brokenness in the biological family, there's an opportunity for support and uh, and and the supply of things that you can't. Give yourself, as you've said, uh, through that. I, you know, and and really, most of us, if we think about our own lives, think about the people who impacted us when we grew up. You know, not everyone who impacted us significantly was a biological member of our family. Right. I mean, right. you know, I have, I, I I can think of an English teacher in the sixth grade who affirmed my ability to write and think that was very important in my development. Um, she, you know, she just another person out on the street, other than the fact that she was my sixth grade teacher, or a coach that I had in in high school as I was on junior varsity, mm-hmm. who I was around all the time. Who, actually, this is really interesting. I actually didn't know that. He was a Christian until after I became a Christian years later. Wow! Uh, and yet, and yet, he everything that he did was was designed to encourage the kids that he was coaching mm. from from Christian roots. But he didn't wear it on his sleeve, and so you didn't know. I mean, you just didn't know. I, in some ways, I think that was a little sad. I wish, I, in some ways, I had known, but. The flip side of it is here's someone who impacted me. Who I had a father who traveled a lot. He was in. He was out of the house maybe 200 days out of the year. And so he here was a here was someone who represented a father figure. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up when I didn't have one. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so it was an important uh, it's important hole to plug. Um, and I think we all have people like that. And so the opportunity for for those. That kind of support to come out of the Christian community is important because it'll come from somewhere. Yes. It, it 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 will definitely someone will fill that role, and I think at times we've we've got this little messed up. Like everybody wants their own group, you know, the singles, this group, and the young married, this group, and the older, and that intergenerational. Uh, in my wife's case, came to Christ, had only thought she was going to have a baby, found out she had twins when they were born, mm. no money, mm-hmm. um, person's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, her boss led her to Christ, mm-hmm. and then there was a group of women in a small little church hmm. that uh, that helped her learn to pray. Hmm. And my wife would have dates with God three or four nights a week and hmm. put those kids to bed and sing and pray. And, and when I met her, it was like – I mean, I my background, I'd memorized all these verses and yeah. you know, I had this head knowledge. Yeah. And when she talked about Jesus, he was like in the kitchen, get the sandwich. I mean, uh-huh. I, you know, oh, she would look at me and go, oh, God will never do that. What do you mean? Well, he's not like that. And she had this heart 
uh-huh. relationship that grew out of the body of Christ helping her and helped her with her kids. And and so I think sometimes it's the humility of saying, you know, as a single mom or a single dad, you know, I need help. Mm-hmm. Or, or realizing, you know what, everyone is married in this group but me and I feel uncomfortable. Go to the small group. And, and, and let that family create a place for you and your kids and mm-hmm. realize you have things to offer. Mm-hmm. We sometimes think about, you know, we need to help the poor. Right. I got news for you. We need the poor as much as they need us. Mm-hmm. Our, our need to give, our need to share, our need to realize it all comes from God is very much as important as people receiving. And the same is true in relationships. Is you know, it helps couples to be able to take someone into their family, and they can do some things that you can't. But it, it takes some vulnerability and some initiative, and sometimes that's very hard. Yeah, and I really do think this is a a, a difficult area because because of the stress that a single parent is often put under yeah. uh, of of having to be everything to the child with no relief. Yeah. I mean, it really is a, a, a quite a burden and 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 particularly when it comes in the context of a divorce situation where there can be all kinds of other things going on and hostility, uh, you know, inner, hostile energy wrapped around the house because of what people are going through and you're in court and and settling finances and all. it can be it can be pretty tough for kids. Yeah, really difficult. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to to be with us today to talk about aspects of Christian life and Christian home. I, I'll I'll ask the standard journalistic question at the end of a of a of an interview. I've been asked this question a hundred times. So, uh, and it basically is: Is there anything that you haven't had the chance to say, or we haven't covered that you think we should say here as we wrap up? I don't want to be overly simplistic. But I would say to people, if you want to have a great family, get to know God. Spend time with God. I don't care how hard. How, I mean, with four kids, my wife had to get up at five in the morning. And, and, and not, not a legalistic, but it is um, the power of God's Word and spending time around God's Word and, and just living the life. God has power, and I don't think we experience His power. He can fix families. He can repair marriages. He can restore kids. And I think we all want you know, we, we've lived in it. We're in a psychological world now, so we've taken all the Bible terms and we mm-hmm. made them therapeutic terms. Mm-hmm. And I think at times, people, you know, it's not like, oh, if I really love God, everything's going to be magically okay. But there's a passion and a tapping into the Holy Spirit living within you that is for you and loves you. And God wants to help people. And I think somehow we skip over that. And so, and the relational base that that builds gives you the backdrop for having healthy relationships yeah. with your kids. And you you have something to give, mm-hmm. and you have a worldview that says, um, "These are God's kids." Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a good steward of God's kids. I don't have control over their outcomes. They have little choosers. I want to create an environment first by how I live. And again, this is not perfect. Yeah. I, I can't tell you hundreds of times I apologize to my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What you did was wrong, but the way I yelled at you, mm-hmm. that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, kids need to just see you authentically walking with God. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that would be the, the biggest thing. I mean, it's, I know that's very, very simple, yeah. but sometimes I think we make it too complicated and think, you know, if I don't have a degree in psychology and if, you know, my kids aren't in the best schools. And you read all these stories, both in past and today, amazing leaders mm-hmm. have come out of very difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, God 
wants parents to know listening today, he can do that in your kids, regardless of where you're at. Well, thanks, Chip, for being with us, and we thank you for joining us at the table, and we look forward to seeing you again when we discuss issues between God and culture at the table. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. Love well.